I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Today you get to learn about a man that I had known, gosh, probably 30 years ago from going to like Whole Foods and those kind of stores um, because I'm me, I'm into my health and vitamins and all that. Well, his name is Udo Erasmus and he made this oil and I'll explain it a little bit. We don't go a lot into it at the in this episode, but we are scheduled to do another episode and we're all we're going to talk about is oils and health and all the things that he's probiotics, digestive enzymes, everything that he's really uncovered in his life. He's 81 years old and what a story this man is about. Let me read a little bit from his bio on his website, but he's so fascinating anyway. So he was born in the Second World War in Europe and he was born in hell with a lot of help from visible and invisible friends is what he says. Walked along crooked path from there to heaven. Along the way, he tried out many things and learned a lot. Every trade and job, every movement of breath, and every step led him to the next turn on the path to find new, different, and out-of-the-box possibilities. His path includes brief jobs and several different trades. Now, this is what is so... He's done everything. Fruit picking, dairy farming, logging, mining, carpentry, house painting, clearing land, burning brush, growing food, gardening, and finally pesticide spraying. He spent a year in medical school and several years in science research. One winter, he had a part-time job babysitting pickled fish in a fish museum. And one summer, he worked for the fish and game branch. Several other summers, he worked on a drilling, blasting, and prospecting crew in the mountains of British Columbia. He also started a nude beach. And that story is so funny because he wasn't comfortable with his body. So he just started a nude beach. <laughs> the story, that story we don't talk about in this, but um, I may, it made me think, what hasn't this man done? Anyway, after being poisoned by pesticides in 1980, he seriously turned his passion and attention to health. He obsessively studied scientific literature, created a method for making good oils with health in mind. He developed the first ever flaxseed oil, authored several books on the effects of oils on health, fats and oils, fats that heal, fats that kill, choosing the right fats, omega-3 cuisine, and enthusiastically educated the public in about 40 countries on the effects of oils on health and disease. So if you can remember back, for those of you who, who listen every week, when I had Dr. Randy on, the one that has her business is Your Body 
can heal itself. Your body, your body knows. She is the one that first introduced me to this oil phenomenon or like I threw all away my oils and I've just started like cooking with butter. And now with Udo, it's about, you know, boiling with water and not using oils at all. And now since Udo, since I met Udo and started going down his rabbit hole, I went back into the store and bought his Udo's oil and have been using that with everything. And you'll realize like when he talks about it a little bit at the end, the reasons for that. And we'll go into that in the next episode, but he's dived so deep into this health and what is so powerful about understanding oils. I mean, I feel like he is the expert, but I have transformed my cooking and and what I'm putting in my body, not just from Udo, but when I learned it from Dr. Randy a few months ago. So that's, I'm on a whole new health kick and it's kind of interesting to see that when you do that, you realize the what it's doing to your body. There's no way you'd ever go back. <laughs> anyway, I know you're going to love this episode. You're going to learn so much about this, gosh, 80 plus man that had this amazing journey and how go to the very end. It's a little longer, but I really wanted to share with you this story where he had this experience and he didn't tell it for 30 years and he just finally started sharing it. And I, that was my last, like, I really wanted you guys to hear that story. So on another note, I have another retreat plan, March 10th. It's a mother-daughter retreat. I would love for you to connect with me. I already have people signed up that were on the wait list for the last one. So please, that's a Sunday. We're going to have a speaker. I'm going to speak. We're going to do breath work. And then one little surprise at the end. But um, I am looking forward to it. It was like one of those things where I just manifested the date, set it out there, found the place, and it's all good. And we're going to start doing this more. Obviously, I am on a mission to have more connection this year. And even if you don't have a daughter and you want to come, you're welcome. I just, it's going to be limited like last time. So, the sooner I hear from you, the more, the better chance you will be able to get in there. So it'll be in San Diego. And then remember the Monday call, the next one will be March 4th. I will have a guest speaker. It'll be someone from the podcast. I will announce it to all of you who reach out to me for the Zoom link. For those that already know the Zoom link, just use the same one. But I'm working right now on getting my guest speaker set up. It's always an amazing call. So I really encourage you all to try to make that when you can. It's at five o'clock Pacific. And then on another note, I know I've been going down on these intros on my journey with Paige in college. And I know last time you heard from me that the crew team at LMU got um, cut And we were in a place of like the carpet pulled out from under us. But like I said last week in my intro, we knew it was for a reason. We know that there's a higher purpose and Paige must be such some powerful (laughs) manifester to create this scenario. Like who cancels a a sports team at a private D1 school the end of January after all the applications had been, we can't apply to any, any other schools basically. So we tried to, USD was a little option just to see because she knows the coach. But then again, that didn't work. So yesterday in real time when I'm 
recording this, we just found out that it's going to be LMU without rowing. And that's okay. Rowing got her into LMU and now she has to pursue other opportunities. And I, you know, it's like as a mom and how you set the example and the the tone when things like this happen, especially when they're with you in the same house, you know, it's like, what a, what a moment for her to have as like a benchmark in her life to look back and go, wow, I thought I was going to be rowing in college. I got accepted to a college to row and it got cut. And now I'm going to go and do other things and experience college in a whole different way than I even, you know, pictured or visualized. But gosh, there's got to be magic in that. And that's where we're at. And she's excited and could get tears in my eyes thinking about it because I'm so proud of her for the way she has responded to this because I know it hasn't been easy for her. But if I can give you any advice as a parent or anything in your life that you're going through that you feel like, oh my gosh, this it's like everything just completely it has changed and shifted direction. You know, I always talk about the yellow brick road and the why. And now it's like, okay, I'm, mom, I'm going to go to the right now. I was thought I was going to the left, but now she's going to the right and all the new magic things are going to start appearing. And I, I know she believes that. And, you know, it's, it's just an incredible feeling as a mom knowing that she can handle situations like this because there'll be more. And when you realize that, I know I always say everything is perfect, but when you can look at life with that perspective, gosh, at a 17 years old, can you imagine knowing that? And knowing how you can live your life from that point on, having that experience, there's no coincidences. This happened for a reason. And it's a beautiful experience right now as a mom and seeing Paige go through it so beautifully. So just had to give you the update on that. Again, I am so grateful for my, um, all the people that are subscribing and reviewing, you know, that helps me get these amazing guests. The the queue that's coming on (laughs) for February, I was looking at it going, oh my gosh, all these dream people. So get ready for the next, uh, gosh, probably three months worth that I have already set up. So it's an amazing lineup. I get so excited. That's all I do is read books, learn, listen to the Audible, listen to podcasts, send me people that you love. I just, my sweet friend, Dan, he sent me this woman that's coming on. So please send me people that you think would be fun for me to interview. Anyway, without further ado, know how grateful I am for all of you and how much I just love this journey with you and learning and growing and expanding during this time. It is one magical moment after another. So enjoy this episode. Welcome, Udo. Hi, glad to be on. Oh, it's so good to see you. And I'm 55 years old. And I can remember now that I see you, and I'm going to associate going to like Whole Foods and seeing Udo's Choice. You know, I've grown up with that. And I know I've taken it. And now realizing that I haven't in the last, you know, whatever, 20 years, like, why haven't I? I probably have here and there. But now learning and going down your rabbit hole, there is no way I'll ever not do that (laughs) and never have my children and husband not do that. But, oh, it's been so fun to really, like, understand your story. Wow. Like, just even seeing the jobs you've done, the one that really caught my eye was, like babysitting pickled fish 
at a fish farm. Like, who does like in a, in a, in a fish museum? Yeah, in a fish museum. Yeah, I was like, what? But there's so much depth to your story. And why? What are you? 81 now? I'm. Uh, I'll be 82 in May. Okay, 82. Yeah. My mom's 80. My dad would have been 82, but he didn't have your knowledge of the nutrition world. So he passed away when he was 64. So when I wow. listen to you yeah. and how healthy you are right now at your age, I mean, you're like the walking commercial. <laughs> you don't really need to do all these shows because yeah. you just need to, you are the truth of what you talk about and what you believe and what you've studied. And I like to tell people, you know, I know I'm going to die one day, but I'm going to die healthy. Yes, exactly. And I love it. And I'm, I'm very health conscious. So when I saw your name come through on my email, I was right away going, Oh, I'd love to. I feel like you're someone that's made a difference in my life. And now, even now knowing more about you, my show is called Uncover Your Magic. Yeah. And I know everyone has magic and I know you know that too. But before we start talking about the nutrition aspect of your life, I want people to understand where that came from. Cause I, you know, we can look at life from a higher perspective and say, wow, I got that job at the pesticide thing. So I could really dig deep and teach the world healthy oils are going to benefit your life. Or, you know, I was, a, I was in these two wars, like all the things that you experienced in life led you to be this man on this planet right now. Udo Erasmus, take us to maybe when you're two. Okay. How you grew up with your family yeah. and all that stories. I guess I, I just guess you could say I had a rough start when I, <laughs> I was born during the Second World War, 1942, in Poland, in part of Poland that was then part of Germany, and grew born on a farm that belonged to a farmer whose farm was taken away by Germany and given to my dad, whose farm was taken away from him in Latvia and was given to the Soviet Union. That's the politics of the day. Right. You know, they, they, Hitler and Stalin made a, a non-aggression pact and they said they're not going to fight each other. Of course, they broke it a few years later, but they made the pact. And that as part of the pact, Latvia went to Soviet Union and part of Poland went to Germany, but there was nobody from Latvia or Poland at the meeting. They just took it. They were big and they could. Right. So I was born during the second world war. And at the end of the war, we were refugees fleeing out of Poland. You know, my father and his, and the farmer whose farm he was given, they had worked together. The farmer was his, his farmhand. Wow. So he had the guy's farm and he was the boss. My dad was the boss. Hmm. And the farmer whose farm it was became a farmhand for my dad. So oh. there, was a little, there was some tension there, as you can imagine, right? Right. What do you mean you get my farm, right? Right, you know, and, give my and so he said, my, my dad said to him, listen, this is a crazy time we're living in. Let's just run the farm the way the farm needs to be run. And when it, all of this crazy stuff settles out, we'll, we'll sort it out. And then they became friends. Hmm. And then they helped us get out when the communists were chasing us in tanks and trucks. We were on horse-drawn hay wagons, on dirt roads with no military presence, mostly women and young children because all the men were dead or in war or, or wherever. And there were dead horses and dead people in the ditches. And the communists were chasing us in tanks and trucks. And the allies, who we like to think of as the good guys, were the allies, right? Right. U.S., Canada, U.K. Well, they were shooting at us from planes. They were using refugees as target practice. 
And so we were were caught in between them chasing us and them shooting us from front. So my mother left the road, and it's the winter, to go through the fields because it was safer in the fields because they were shooting at the roads, not at the fields. But she had six kids, so she had... She could only take two, so she left four kids behind. I was one of one of the ones left behind. Can you imagine? No, I could not. Being a mother. No. Having you have children, right? I do. Two. Can you imagine being a mother no. having to make that kind of a decision. No. I know. When I heard that I just couldn't believe it. But yes. Yeah. Anyway, so eventually her sister heard about the story and then she came, she went and she found us and reunited us with the family. My, but that was my, like two weeks, right? It wasn't that long. Yeah, it was, it was two weeks. I, well, for a two-year-old, two weeks without mommy is uh, probably right. pretty intense. Right. What came out of it for me, I was really shy. I never mm-hmm. knew what I could trust. I never knew what I could count on. And I never felt safe. I lived like this and I'm, you know, my hands are sort of across my chest here, right? Right. I was really shy. And uh, I ended up in the world of books because books are safe. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to find out how things work. Because when you know how something works, so I was always doing experiments, you know, breaking a lot of stuff when I'm doing right. them too, right? Because I always want to find out how things work because when you know how things work, they become predictable. Right. And then you get a certain amount of security from having that predictability. And when I was six years old, we were in Germany. And I listened to adults argue and they were so intense. You know, they'd get into these things and they were just so, and it always made me really uneasy because I was pretty sensitive, right? And one day there was an argument and I was listening to the argument. It was like they were arguing about something that seemed so trivial to me. You know, as a six-year-old, it was trivial. Like, can you imagine how trivial it must have been? Right. <laughs> right? Is and it I, your parents arguing or just were? No, no, these were just, just adults in the community. Huh. I was just around on a farm. I can't even remember what the argument was or anything. But the thought came to me is, man, there must be a way that human beings can live together in harmony. Mm-hmm. This little cocky voices. And I'm going to find out how, you know, <laughs> six-year-old doesn't know how complicated everything. Uh, oh, sure. You're just going to figure it out. Right. Right. But that's been my driver all my life. Right. It's always I. So then I went into science. But after high school, I went into science to try and understand how things work. And then I got into biological science to understand how creatures work. And then I went into psychology to understand how thinking works. All in the service of, man, there must be a way we can live in harmony. Then I went into medicine because I wanted to learn about health. But we only learned about disease in medicine. And I talked to the dean and I said, well, I came here to study health. You call it health care, right? And I mean, I didn't even say that part of it, but it's like it's health care. That's what we call it. So I figured, well... You study medicine, you learn about health. So I said, so I'm not, not learning about anything about health. What is health? He said, in his very low voice and his very confident <laughs> low voice, he says, we don't know. We're working on it. Oh, and wow. that was about the most disappointing statement ever made to me. Hmm. Because you, what do you mean you're working on it? You don't know what health is? And so I, and then we were told also in first year medicine, we were told that a doctor should always sound as though he knows what's going on, even when he doesn't. Oh, wow. And that ended my medical career because we call that lying on the farm. Right. And so I went back into biological sciences, into biochemistry and genetics, because I was learning more about health there than in medicine. 
Because when you learn biology, you, you know, they, I mean, it's not perfect, but you're studying normal creatures in normal situations in right. their normal state, right? And that's closer to health because medicine is addicted to looking at disease. Mm-hmm. They don't even have a definition of health. They do symptom suppression and crisis management and crisis intervention and life support systems. And they can monitor your descent to the graveyard. Right. But they never have a goal of what does it look like to be healthy, to take you towards. So it's all symptomatic. It's not symptom suppression. I mean, it's symptom suppression. It's not healing. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, uh, no, I don't think I want to be part of that. And then lie to people about about what I'm doing or what I know, just so I sound like an expert. That wasn't like, that wasn't for me. So I, and then I still didn't find in, in uh, biology what I was looking for because I actually wanted to know what life is. You know, what is life? Mm-hmm. You know, what is life? What exactly is life? And I thought we would have a beaker, like maybe at some point we'd have a beaker and there'd be something in it that was liquid and shining. And that's how what I pictured life. Uh, that's what I love about you because you, that's and, where you are so, when you talk about life and when you talk about the peace and the present moment, I re- resonate with that so much. So when you go deep like yeah. this, this is what yeah. I want Udo to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. But we never got that. I even said to my lab partner one day, you know, because we worked with animals and by the time we were done with the experiment, they were dead. We learned something about form and function, but we never got a handle on life. You know, even we talk about energy in the human body. We talk about the molecule that carries that energy, but we never get a handle on the energy. ATP, right? It's the molecule. Right. Adenosine triphosphate, right? And so it does some things and, you know, energy gets re- And we never get a handle on the, on the energy. And I want to know what the energy is. <laughs> so eventually I left university because I said, I'm not, and I didn't know really exactly what I was looking for. Because, you know, one, in biology, I said, oh, well, there's this liquid shining thing that's life. I didn't have a, really a handle on it either. At one point, I said, look, we should study ourselves because mm-hmm. we have form and function and life all together and we don't have to kill ourselves to get to know it. Right. And that was a hint of something that happened much later, but I didn't understand even what I said. Huh. Right? But I said it. And it's right. and like I look back and I said, wow, that's, pre- that's pretty prescient, right? Right. Wow, that's like, wow, wow, I came up with that. I didn't know what I was talking about. And I came up with that, right? So then well, it's I inside left. you. It's in your soul. It's your soul speaking. It, almost, it's like channeling. It's yeah. almost like channeling. But I didn't know what I was channeling. Right. You know, it's kind of nice to know what you're channeling. <laughs> At some point, it might be nice to know what you're channeling, right? But didn't you have some kind of moment yeah. that you saw something? I did some psychedelic experiences. I had one, the first one was 60 micrograms of Sandoz LSD. (laughs) In a sugar cube. That was in the 60s. In a sugar cube. That was in 1964. Okay, before I was born. And uh, and I rolled on the floor laughing on the living room where I was doing it with a couple of guys who, who were just there to witness it, I guess. Rolling on the floor laughing in time to Mozart music. Tears running down my cheeks. You know, I'm laughing and crying at the stand. I mean, it was bizarre, right? Hmm. And the thing that struck me as the most unbelievable joke, cosmic joke, 
is that everything that I was so studiously looking for in the outside world was all already within me. Yes. And that just blew my mind. And that blew the door off my war baby personality. You know, my, this, this, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of blew the door off and it was, oh my God, there's a thousand ways I could live. Right. Okay, how do I want to live? And then it took me quite a while to sort that out. But it was like, I never thought there was anything more. I never thought in terms of options ever. I was just moving along the way it was, you know. Can you still remember that experience like it was yesterday or does it take you a the while LSD. to go back there? Yes, the, the LSD. LSD. Yes. Well, you know, LSD is like, and the psychedelics, it's like an interesting thing. They give you a picture, but they don't put you in the picture. Okay. Right? So then the idea is, okay, so a possibility got opened up. And all the work is to manifest that possibility. That's the work. And LSD doesn't doesn't do the work for you. Right. Right? It gives you the vision. Yeah. And I would say it's there was hallucination and, you know, the, the ceiling was moving and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But that's just part of it. But... But I think, and it's interesting you asked the question because I've never actually thought about it. What exactly was it it gave me? It gave me an experience. Hmm. I saw something inside. I felt something inside. And it opened that up for me because my focus, you know, like when you're in your mother's womb, you know, your focus is, is inside at rest in its source, in life, in awareness, because it's nowhere, no place for it to go. Nowhere to go, nothing to do, everything taken care of, safe, pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. So your focus is inside. And so LSD, and then, of course, you come out into the world, and your focus goes out into the world because you have to get to know the world, and you have to live in it, and you have to maneuver your way around it, and you have to figure out every time something changes, is this friend to approach? Is this enemy to run or fight? fight or is it irrelevant because it's like you can ignore it, right? And so that always, we're always drawn out through our senses into the world of change. And we're drawn away from something within us mm-hmm. that has the answer we're looking for out there. Right. It's, I mean, it's such a joke in a way how we live, right? It is. It's actually pretty funny. We have it within us. Like you want peace in your life. You want contentment in your life. You want f- stress-free in your life. You want a place where there's no overwhelm. You want a place where you don't feel the blues. You want a place where you feel loved, unconditionally loved. That place exists within you already. Right. You gave me you are. You are unconditionally loved 24-7, 365 lifelong by a fraction of solar energy mm-hmm. that was filtered through 93 million miles of space and then filtered through the atmosphere and then filtered through molecules in green plants. And then the fraction that remains after that filtration of sunlight is stored in bonds between atoms and molecules. And then you eat those molecules as food, and in your cells, those bonds get broken, and that solar energy fraction is released. And that's now called life. Mm -hmm. And life is the master in your body that runs every chemical reaction in every cell in your body lifelong. It weighs nothing, runs everything, right? 
Right. And I actually looked up just yeah just yesterday how many chemical reactions happen in a cell every second. How many? A billion. Oh my god. A billion. So there are a billion reactions in your cell every second. Right. Yeah. So multiply it by sixty-four in a minute, sixty-four an hour, right. twenty-four for a day, hundred years, right? So Unbelievable, the, the number of chemical reactions that happen. Every one of those chemical reactions is run by life, that solar fraction. And that life is the master in your body. It is omnipresent, omnipotent, or omnipotent, mm-hmm. and omniscient in your body. That's a de- definition of God. It is the master in your body. It is God's present in your body if you go down the religious track. How would you describe you. it? So it's within you. It's there, right? Right. And that solar energy fraction is, is a flow of unconditional, empowering love for your body. Now, there's only one more piece to this, which is if I say to you, hey, Ashley, Whose body is that? What will be your answer? Well, I listened to you talk. Oh, yeah. So, okay, so my but body. You, is, but yeah, most people say, would say, yeah, yeah it's yes. my body, right? So now you've just told me that you're not the body. Right. So who are you? Well, you're the owner of the body. If this is my body, I'm the owner of this body, right? Well, who am I as owner of the body? Well, who owns the body? All right. It's right. like, okay, who owns the body? Life owns the body. Right. So that solar energy fraction that I was just talking about, that is God, that is omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent in the body, that is the master, that is who I am in my individual essence. Right. We kind of act like we were the body a lot, but mm-hmm. actually the master in the body, life in the body, runs everything. All the time. And the only project that God has within me is to run the body. Right? Right. Same, the only mission that God has within you is to run your body. And this is true for 8 billion people on this planet. And by the way, it's also true for the dogs and cats Mm -hmm. and all of the animals. And by the way, it's also true for the trees and the the plants. And oh, by the way, it's also true for all the bacteria in the other microorganisms. Right. Right. All run by a solar energy fraction. And the thing that I was looking for when I studied biology, I thought, there's the life. And that life is within me. And I am actually that life. And when the body and life part company, I will be going with life. I will not be staying with the body. The body is just going to get recycled. Right. And I'm going to go wherever that energy goes. Yeah, where do you go? Where do you see that going? I don't know. I don't need to know. You don't? No. Where do you, you've never no, but, thought. But I'll be there. Will you come back in a body again? Well, that's a whole interesting <laughs> thing, you know, because, you know, because like worms are going to eat the body, right? Right. My body, worms are going to eat that. So or are you going to be burnt or cremated? So, well, it de- yeah, it depends, whichever, you know. So right. you let's say create it, you throw it in the garbage or you throw it in a pot or you throw it in some place. Right. Well, eventually those minerals that didn't burn 
that are just the dust that your body is made from. Well, the worms are going to eat it. And then those are going to turn into butterflies. And then a bird's going to eat the butterfly. And then they're going to turn into a bird, <laughs> right? And then when <laughs> the bird gets recycled, you know, then maybe mouse eats the remains, you know. So all of the matter, all the material gets recycled through nature on a mm-hmm. continuing basis. If I live a hundred years and I drink the amount of water I'm supposed to drink, mm-hmm. I will drink 88 tons of water in my lifetime, 15 wow. times my body weight every year. Which part of that is going to come back as me next time? Because it's all just passing through, right? The, right. the minerals and the vitamins and the amino acids and the fatty acids and the energy of life itself, everything is just passing through this focal point Mm-hmm. That is me for as long as it does, right? So right. it's all passing through. So the idea is, are you going to come back? What, what, which part of the water am I going to come back in? Yes, I love right? that. Yeah. Do, but did you get that? It's like, I don't know how to make reincarnation work in that sense, mm-hmm. right? Which piece of energy that is my soul or that is flowing through me as life, which part of that comes back? Right. At some other time. But everything's happening right now. Yeah. So fundamentally, what do you have is you have like, I have billions of years I, I, I wasn't around. And afterwards, I'm going to be billions of years I won't be around. And it won't take long before nobody remembers me either, <laughs> right? Right? Because there have been 100 billion people on this planet in, right. in, as human beings. You know, so who remembers any of those people? Well. Almost nobody remembers right. almost most of them. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right? So they say, okay, well, when that, what is the point for you being here? Well, you know, your dust, water, and air, and a little bit of sunlight, all mixed together in this incredible way as a human being. And you get to have the experience of being a human being made out of dust, water, and air. And what does it feel like to have that experience? Because there's the point and the purpose. Right. Right. To be fully present in all of your being and your surroundings and do the dance and enjoy the dance, whatever that dance is. I mean, the dance is washing your dishes and going to the toilet and taking the bus. (laughs) You know, that's all part of the dance, right? And so the purpose is for you to personally enjoy that dance because it's your dance in your body. And nobody can enjoy that for you. Right. And it's wasted if you don't enjoy it. So here we are, fully present in all of my being and my surroundings. That's the primary purpose for the time I have, which might be 100 years, right? Mm-hmm. Or more. And the, or more. Or less. Yeah, or less. <laughs> right? Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then the second purpose is because when I'm f- present in my space, There's peace in that space, and it's an unshakable, infinite peace that is centered in me but goes out to infinity. It's not limited by the dimensions of my body. There is peace everywhere, everywhere, all the time. Even in a war, peace is everywhere, Mm -hmm. right? So peace is there, and I feel unconditionally and empoweringly loved. And when you're like that, then what's left to do? Only one thing. How can I help? Yes. What can I do that needs to be done? Right. 
how can I make the biggest splash for good that's possible to make in the time that I have here? Right. Oh, I love right? it. How yes. simple is that, right? So number one purpose is not to help. Number one, because when you don't feel cared for, then your number one purpose, honestly stated or not, usually not stated, is you're going to try and do whatever it takes. You're going to try and get whatever, do whatever you have to do in order to feel cared for. And that's why we have wars, and that's why people are greedy, and that's why people are unfaithful in their marriages. And I mean, you go on and on of all the crazy things we've done on this planet Mm -hmm. in the direction of destruction, all comes from discontent, that comes from disconnection from ourselves. And the disconnection is a normal, natural, necessary process. And the reconnection has to be deliberate. Right. Because it won't happen automatically. But we are very lucky that when we feel disconnected, our heart aches. Heartache is the greatest gift we've ever been given, other than being alive. Because if it wasn't for heartache, pulling you out of your head, into your body, making you simple. If it wasn't for heartache, we would get so lost, we would never find our way back. Right. So heartache is the call to come home. And so mm-hmm. then what I say to people is sit with your heartache. You know, sit with it. Just like, don't try do anything with it. Just be with it. Quietly, gently, don't judge it. Just feel it. Accept it. Appreciate it. Maybe embrace it. Because that far, like less than a hair's breadth behind your heartache is your reconnection where you find your peace and your love and your wholeness. Oh, so true. I love that. You know, how cool, how cool is that, right? And then you go back, like I go back in my life, I came out of a war. It wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. Great, huge gift. Right. Huge gift because we had everything stripped. You know, our farm was gone. Our culture was gone. Our language was gone. The neighbors were gone. The dishes were gone. The community was gone. The culture was gone. The religion was gone. Like everything was gone except body and life is the only thing we were, we managed by grace, you could say, managed to retain. Mm -hmm. And so I had all of that stripped. So I wasn't starting from, oh yeah, I've had a really good life and comfortable and I've hobnobbed with all the fancy people and gone to all the parties and this is my, you know, I'm entitled to this kind of a lifestyle. No, no, I got that all stripped. So I started from scratch. And unstripping all of that stuff is hard work. Mm-hmm. And it's why in America, in North America, and in Europe now too, you know, they've picked up all that culture again and they're so steeped in it. And they're doing the same stupid things that led to the Second World War. They're still doing this, the same stupid things because they don't realize that life in human form is the most incredible gift filled with what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. They don't know that because they're still out there, right? And so they're messing up on the outside. They're going in the direction of having everything stripped from them by their own stupid behavior till they get to the point that I was able to get to as a kid. Right. Because everything was stripped from us by stupid behavior then. <laughs> right. Right. And that's all, yes, but it's all and, perfect. And I go back and I say, what a gift. 
Right. Because I didn't have to try to unwind all that because I probably wouldn't have known how to, just like people don't know how to. Mm -hmm. It was taken away. I got to start from scratch. And so I got to start from scratch and then basically question everything and then ask the question, well, how is it? Why is it? Answering, asking the questions, looking for answers, always looking for what's the deepest cause of why the world isn't, isn't working perfectly. And it always comes back to our natural disconnection from ourselves mm-hmm. and our not recognizing what that heartache is. And because we're not recognizing it, not using it to find our way back. Right. Yeah, cool. Yes, it's so cool. Is that, I know you have three kids. So when yeah. you're talking and I'm listening and I'm thinking yeah. of how I've raised my girls when something happens in their life, I've taught them it's always working for you. Everything's perfect. And all those words that you were just speaking of. Yeah. Did you raise your children? Did you instill in them all those words of wisdom? Is that how you parented them? Not how it works. I, I tried. I tried because every time they, I saw them suffer... I knew what they needed to do. You know, they need to get, you know, because the suffering is out here in the world of change. Right. Or in here in the world of change. Or in our emotions. That's all world of change, right? Mm-hmm. People's nature, that's all changing all the time. If you count on something in a world of change and it changes, then you're disappointed or you exactly. lose it. And it doesn't work. And then you suffer because you put... You wanted it not to change. You want to change not to change, right? Right. And then you suffer, right? Well, there's something in you beyond suffering that was not affected by that change. Exactly. I would say to them, whenever I saw them suffer, I would say to them, there's something in you. You need to go there. And you know what? Didn't work at all. Didn't work at all because people have to find their way to it. Like nobody told me where I would find my answer. Right. I just basically did what I did and, you know, you could say suffered through whatever I suffered through, right? Mm -hmm. Because I didn't know. And eventually I found my way there. Nobody had to tell me by that point that this was a good idea to do a stillness practice. I was ready for it. I was trying to shortcut it for them and and help them not suffer, you know, because as a parent, you don't, you know, you want, you know, and you can't do it for your kids. Right. Well, you're an example. Yeah, you 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 can be an example doing it in your life, right? But you can't you can't do it in their exactly. life, exactly, right? right? And so you can model it, but most people don't model it either because they haven't found their way back, right? You know, most parents have not done their homework. In fact, most parents think that having kids would get them what they actually need to do the homework for, and that doesn't work either. No, and I want to explain something. So I had my children at 37 and 40. Okay. And so I was, a, you know, like we were talking before recording, I did the Tony Robbins thing. You know, I did a lot of personal mm-hmm. development and spiritual work before. So I really was an intentional parent. And that's why I'm very interested in how, like how you parented yours. So mm-hmm. um, my oldest is 17 and got, um, and this is coming up in a day before yesterday, <laughs> This mm-hmm. happened. So I was, mm-hmm. it was sparking Good. this thing that happened in this home was mm-hmm. pages on the rowing team. And she has been rowing for four years for the crew team and had a goal to go to college to row for college, got a, accepted as a, on a seat for the boat. And la- yes, two, a day ago, we got a call from the school saying they've deleted that sport. And now we're down back to ground zero. And so, now she's suffering. So 
So now this is the thing, though. I'm telling you, Udo. Yeah. <laughs> so we're sitting there and we're listening to this message from the coach. And I sat there kind of excited, like, this means something that there's a redirection here. And I and I sure. said, she gets off the phone and we're all kind of thinking it's a dream. <laughs> and she kind of gets tears and she, you know, and I said, you know what, Paige? You're powerful. Do you realize that they <laughs> cut that team and now you get to go figure out maybe you don't want to row in school and you'll still get to go to that amazing college that maybe you wouldn't have gotten into. Right. And then maybe you're going to go row at a different school because that's calling you. It's a bigger picture. So we're day, we're one day out of that. And now it's amazing because that's where she's found it in herself to be. Mm-hmm. And the knowing mom, I know that I'm, I said, all you're going to know that feeling that is going to call, you're going to know. But I got tears when you were talking because I'm like, gosh, I'm just experiencing that now. Like mm-hmm. as a parent watching her experience that. Mm-hmm. And it's so beautiful. So, and maybe you were a better model than I was. <laughs> there's always that possibility. But they find their way to it. Because I have a teacher who says, don't depend on things that end. Yes. Right? And you live in a world of change. Everything in the environment changes. Everything in human beings changes. Everything in thinking changes. Anything in emotions changes. It's always changing, right? If you want something constant in your life, there is something constant in your life. And the core of your being. But you have to go there to bring your focus to that. Mm-hmm. inside of your core to feel that constant thing that is a good foundation to live from, right? Right, And it can't just be a head trip. And sometimes what people do is they memorize a belief system mm-hmm. and then they become really rigid in their belief system. And they're trying to make that their anchor. But their mm-hmm. anchor is actually the experience of a peace that is the, is the, the container within which your entire life unfolds. Yes. Oh, I love it. Oh. And all and, and the whole universe unfolds in mm-hmm. that container of peace, right? Yeah. I love and it. then you are the unconditional love unfolding and dancing mm-hmm. in that container. Right. Right? That's like from a deeper place. That's how it is. And everything on the outside will change and will continue to change because that is its nature. But the peace, its nature is not to change, is to mm-hmm. be constant. Mm-hmm. And the life energy is formless and indestructible. It's perfect health. Mm -hmm. It never gets sick. It never dies, right? You want health? That's the place where you're going to find absolute health as opposed to relative health that comes from eating vitamins and and oils and and taking enzymes and doing all of those things, right? Can we lead? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Got divorced and... So when my kids were still pretty young, uh, like four, two, and one, so I was 34, my marriage broke up, long, it's a long story, and I was really upset, and I wanted to kill something. I had a pesticide applicator's license from a gardening job that I had done, and so I got a full-time job as a pesticide sprayer because... Pesticides are used to kill things. And I wanted to kill things. I mean, I was really crazy. It was crazy upset. And I was super careless. I walked barefoot over the lawns that I had sprayed with pesticides until the skin peeled off the bottom of my feet. And then I started wearing rubber boots, but it was a summer job and, you know, I'm fair skin. So I always wanted to have a nice tan. So vanity, vanity, right? Right. (laughs) My favorite sin. (laughs) I know. 
I, I'd, I would spray wearing a bathing suit and rubber boots. And so I'd be, a, you know, I'd feel the wind drift the spray on my back sometimes because it was, a, I had a big tank and a, wow. you know, and I was totally careless. Somebody even asked me, aren't you worried you're going to get poisoned? I said, nah, I'm immune. We call that testosterone poisoning. Right. what happens to a lot of young men <laughs> until they have their first disaster that they have to take credit for. Right. They can't, right? Yeah. So, and then I, after three years of doing it, I got poisoned. And then what it was you, like... What kind of, when you say, because I've heard that, but when, what were you experiencing when you got, when you say... Oh, that? I got uh, cramps, nausea, dizziness. Okay. Low energy. I was 38 when I got poisoned. And uh, literally, if I walked around a city block, I would have to rest. That's how little energy I had. Oh, wow. The other symptom was that if I turned my head, it felt like my head turned, but my brain didn't. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that's not anatomically, that's not possible, but right. that's what it felt like. It was a really strange feeling. And I knew it came from the pesticides. And then, so basically, I had the background in biochemistry and genetics. I figured out, you know, your body's always turning over. Like 98% of the atoms in your body today, if we meet a year from now, they will have been removed and replaced. Right. So you'll be almost, a, you know, be a, a different 98% person. different person. <laughs> huh. And you won't even have noticed because it happens so seamlessly. Mm. I mean, talk about miracles, right? It's like, oh. Right. It is a miracle. So because that's true, if something goes wrong in your body, then what you do is you have to raise your standard for intake because your body's made out of food, water, and air. Right. You raise your standard, and in one year, you will have rebuilt 98% of your body to a higher standard. So that's what I did. And I was reading about what that would entail. Right. Obviously, I stopped spraying pesticides. That was important, right? Right. But then, okay, how do I raise the standard to heal? Because that turnover of your body is why healing is possible. Life is perfect health. It already knows what to build. Right. Right. You need to give it the building blocks. There are 42 of them, 18 minerals, 13 vitamins, nine essential amino acids, two essential fatty acids. And if you optimize all those 42, then you're giving life all of the building blocks it needs to do an optimum job of building you a body, right? Right. So So I really got into that, and then I got stuck on oils because it was the most confusing area, completely contradictory. On the one hand, says omega-6 is essential, and the very next study I read says omega gives you cancer and kills you. And I'm going, how could that be possible? (laughs) <laughs> right, I have to have it, and then it kills me, gives me cancer. How can that be possible? And then I that made me look deeper, and it was about how oils are made and the damage done to oils when they're being made by industry for a longer shelf life. And then I got into that, and then I said, "Well, I can't get healthy on oils that are damaged, and uh, we should make oils with health in mind." So I developed a method for making oils with health in mind, very painstaking. Mm-hmm. No light, no oxygen can can get to the oil while it's being pressed and settled and filtered and filled, and, you know, and it has to go in glass. It can't go in plastic because plastic leaches into oils quicker than into water. And there can't be pesticide in it, so it has to be from organically grown seeds. So we put all that together to develop a method for making oils with health in mind. 
And, uh, you know, and then I did all kinds of other stuff. I started paying attention. I wasn't like a real junk food eater. I wasn't really, I did lots of things that aren't, that aren't in line with living in line with nature and my nature. And, like uh, what, what were you, what would that oh, be? Well, I ate a lot of bread, which bread in the city would be mostly white bread. Mm-hmm. You know, you go and have a submarine sandwich. Well, it's on a white, white grain bun. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, in white flour is wheat kernels that have had like 80% of the magnesium and 30% of the B vitamins and, uh, or 30, about a third of it and 80% of the vitamin B6 and a third of the protein and most of the fiber, you know, have been removed. Mm-hmm. So I'm living things that are out of line with nature. When the law is, we were made in nature, out of nature, and what we need in order to be healthy needs to be in line with nature, which is fresh, whole, raw, organic, for human beings, mostly plant-based, right? That's the standard in nature that we come from. And of course, we fry things in oils, and we burn our food, and you know, and we take stuff out of the food and we have pesticides in the foods and we put chemical preservatives in there that never existed in nature. And so we're doing a lot of things that are out of line with nature. I mean, I ate raw cabbage when I had my spraying job just because it's simple. I happen to like cabbage and it was raw. So it was all, all of that was good. And so probably why I didn't get killed by the pesticides. Oh, because, wow. Because I'm like, because, wait, I like raw cabbage. I eat that all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Just, so it's yeah. <laughs> but also you shouldn't take a job as a pesticide sprayer. Right, right. <laughs> but then yeah. I started being more committed, more detailed in my focus on living in line with nature. Right. So now these days, I eat pretty much everything raw, um, mostly raw, mostly plant-based. And you love broccoli. I love broccoli. I put it <laughs> I in, had I, broccoli last night and I said, I, Udo, I'm interviewing him tomorrow. You have yeah, broccoli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, yeah, yeah. You try to get the vibe, right? <laughs> if I'm made out of broccoli, then you need to be made out of broccoli to have a good interview. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Something like that. Yeah. And uh, I'm low carb. I have no bread in my house, no pasta, no buns and all of that stuff. Yeah, we're we're low on that too. But you know, it's funny that I listened to this morning about, you know, the, I used to do half marathons, you know, the whole carbo load. That's a really great example because the carbos that you're not burning what you're supposed to be with for energy. Yeah. Well, because, because your body can only store about a pound of carbs. So if you're going to do a full marathon, a pound of carbs, that's we call it glycogen or animal starch that you can mm-hmm. store in your liver and your muscles. It's a pound. That's the limit. But that only gets you 20 miles and a marathon is 26 miles. So people mm-hmm. would hit the wall at tw- mile 20 and then drag their butts across the finish line because when you're burning carbs, the genes for burning fats stay turned off. That's just how the body works, right? right? And so what we said to them is they were all told to carb load for the three days before they did the marathon. And we said, no, 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 you guys are doing it all wrong. What you need to do is you need to carb deplete to make sure that your fat burning is turned on. Because 
you could store 300 pounds of fat in your body and you could run 12,000 miles on that 300 pounds of fat, mm-hmm. right? So that's a lot of marathons. Right. You can't do that on carbs. And so carb loading was actually a wrong idea for people who do endurance sports. Right. So we said, no, crack down your carbs, use good oils, because omega-3s are the highest energy molecule of all of our nutrition molecules. Crank up your oils and omega-3s turn on fat burning in the body and turn off fat production. And run your race on oil as your fuel, not on carbs. And people thought we were crazy because everybody's saying, no, 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 carb load, carb load, carb load, carb load. And a few people who listened to us because they'd already hit the wall, so they knew there was something (laughs) not Mm -hmm. right with the carbs. So the few people who did, they came back and after the marathon said, that was awesome. After I finished the marathon, I felt like I had enough energy to run another one. Wow. And now slowly uh, that's all come around and there are right. now people focusing on that. They're still not doing it right because they don't know what I know because I've been doing this for over 40 years. Very focused on that particular issue. Right. You know, I don't cook but with slowly oil. slowly it's coming around. Yes. I don't yeah. cook with oil. I had a woman yeah. on like six months ago and I threw it all away. And I'm one of those people that if someone tells me, like now learning from you, like I'm going to be taking three tablespoons of the 369. I already ordered it. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm going to make the girls take two tablespoons and cook in water. Cook in water. Frying is the dumbest thing we've ever invented to do to our food. If you're thinking about health and food, the dumbest thing, worse than white sugar. Worse than white sugar, because what you're doing is you're taking these molecules and you, you're changing them into something that never existed in nature that's toxic for you. And then you're filling your body with toxic molecules and you do it day after day after day after day after day. And it's associated, frying is associated with increased inflammation, which is behind just about everything that goes wrong in your body and increased risk of cancer. This is like the research is really clear. So why would you want to do that to yourself unless you were so depressed that you just wanted to check out? (laughs) Right? Or like you say, take the frying pan and hit it to your head. (laughs) Bong, yeah. (laughs) Or you didn't know. Because the industry that makes these oils and that recommends them for frying doesn't tell you the damage you're doing to yourself when you actually do what they say. Right. So what about butter? Well, the only thing from oils that is really important that you have to have that you can't live without is omega-3 and omega-6. They're called essential fatty acids Mm -hmm. because you can't make them. You have to have them. You have to bring them in from outside. If you don't get enough, your health will deteriorate. And if you don't get enough long enough, you die. Right. But if before you die, you bring enough back in, then all of your symptoms from not getting enough are reversed because life knows what to do If you make sure, if you take responsibility at your mouth, you get all of its the building blocks it needs into Mm -hmm. your body, right? So that's the definition of essential. Butter has almost none of those, very little. Now, butter is okay for fuel, but the, the most important thing you have to pay attention to is getting both essential fatty acids undamaged, not filled with pesticides, not in plastic, in the right ratio, 
And we developed a blend for putting that together. It's called Udo's oil. And when you do that, that takes care of what's essential about fats. And then you can take fats like butter and you can eat it and it's okay. Okay. If you don't get the essential fatty acids and you eat a lot of saturated fats, they will make your platelets more sticky. So they'll take you towards heart disease. Okay. And they'll make you more insulin resistant and take you towards diabetes. So you have to optimize as your first step in around oils. You have to optimize your intake of the two essential fatty acids in the right ratio. And once you've done that, omega-3s make your platelets less sticky. So they work against the saturated fats so, and protect you. And they make you more insulin sensitive. So they work against re- insulin resistance as well. Wow. Right? Why doesn't everyone know this? (laughs) Because you don't have 8 billion people listening on your podcast. (laughs) And I'm not, and I'm not yelling loud enough. (laughs) No, I, you know, I just, I've seen that oil on the, on the shelf, Udo, like for, I mean, I knew your name. Like I, it was like in my mind, I knew I could see it on the shelf. Yeah. And thousands of people wander by it and have no idea. Yes, exactly. I, I I know. I know. But I know you do probiotics and digestive enzymes and yeah. all that's all very important. Those are all yeah. part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, well, I started working on oils because of the contradiction. And I was wanted to get healthy and I said, I can't get healthy. I found out how much damage is done to oils. If they're 1% damaged by the industry, mm-hmm. you get more than a million damaged molecules for every one of your body's 60 trillion cells in one tablespoon. Wow. And then you, how many tablespoons do you take? And there's pesticides in there and there's plastic in there. And if you fry them, you got to multiply that by another three to six times, mm. you know, and then you do that for 30 years. That's 11,000 days. You know, it's like how many damaged molecules are you deliberately putting into your body? Right. Most people don't know that. Right. If no. they knew, if they knew, you know, they would probably think, you know, because they're trying to, most people try to be healthy. Yeah. Right. With what they know, they apply some of it. We're not that, you know, we're not that committed in some ways. We're a little sloppy sometimes. But people don't know. People don't know because the industry doesn't tell them and the government doesn't require it. Right. And so we don't know a lot of things that happens in processing, that happens in industry, that happens for profit, that is really bad for health. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, that's how we're destroying ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you see, is your um, company, grow, is it growing more than it was, say, when I was in my 20s, so like 30 years ago, when that was like the fat freight, you know, crazy, well, we, don't eat oil and don't, yeah, we, everyone's we, afraid of oil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I started in the height of the, of the no fat craze. I went to Vegas to a meeting, an international meeting of the vegan society. Huh. And so I said to them, when I got up, I said, so how many of you are on vegan diets? And all the hands went up. How many of you are on low-fat diet? All the hands went up. And uh, how many of you dry skin? All of the hands went up. And I said, when you have dry skin, you need more oil. Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's the easiest way to measure it. If you're in a dry place and in winter, it shows up more than in summer in, in humid places. Mm-hmm. But if your skin is dry, you need more oil because skin gets them last and loses them first because they they have priority in other parts of your body. You can live right. with dry skin, but if your heart dried out, you'd be history. 
Right. So heart gets them first. And you only get it to the skin. Your skin becomes soft, smooth, and velvety if you have enough, if you're taking enough oil for it to finally oil your skin. Right. That's how it works, right? So yeah, it's easy to figure it out with the, how much you need. And we can reverse it. And, and so then again, you know, not everybody followed what I was saying, but the people who I said, what you need to do is you need to take a tablespoon per 50 pounds of body weight per day of Udo's oil, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what we put together to give people a one-shot cure for it. You know, and if you take a tablespoon per 50, that's about what you need to make your skin nice. Might be a little more, might be a little less. Okay. So told them to do that. That's the mistake you're making is you're not getting the oils that you need to have. And the people who did that came back and said, wow, not only did my skin become nice, but I got my energy back. Mm. Because they, I didn't ask that question, but a lot of people who eat low-fat diets are really low energy. Mm-hmm. They don't have energy. Ah, And so... It's amazing what oils do. And 99% of the population doesn't get enough omega-3 for optimum health. Mm-hmm. Most people get enough omega-6, unless they're on a low-fat or a no-fat diet. But the omega-6s are damaged. You need to switch out your omega-6s for omega-6s made with health in mind. And mm-hmm. you need to bring back the missing omega-3s, also made with health in mind. And that's right. basically what we try to do with with that's that's what we took on to do with the oils. Yeah. So then yes. after Keep I, going. Yeah, yeah, because it came out of something you said. And then I decided, well, what's next? What's the, you know, oils are the most neglected area. What's the next most neglected? Digestion. So I got into digestive enzymes, probiotics, fiber, and bitters. Then I was like, okay, well, what else needs to be done? Then I got into greens because that's the foundation of everything. And everybody knows they're supposed to eat their greens and most people don't. So mm-hmm. I got into greens. And then I started saying, okay, well, what's next? What else affects health? And just to ask the question, well, what else affects health? Well, actually, everything affects health. And right. so then I got into total health and the nature of human nature. Because the way we get healthy is to live in line with nature and our nature. And it's different, you know, the chickens have a different nature. They need different food. And the squirrels have a different nature and they need different. But it's always in line with nature and their nature. So what does it look like to live in nature with your nature? Well, there's the peace in you. If you don't give that some attention, that's going to cost you something in health. The unconditional love that you feel. If you're not in touch with that, then you're always going to be looking for it and you're going to be looking at it in places where it ain't because you already have it, but you're not doing the homework, right? right? You're not looking into it. So you're looking elsewhere for it. What else? Well, when you feel that love, it shines into the world. I call that inspired purpose. And that's about to help, right? Mm-hmm. To help. And it feels good in the heart to help. Hmm, that should be a hint. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So that needs attention. And then you got the body, food and fitness and digestion and rest and all of that. And then you got protection, which is the, the protective part of mind, you know, skills, survival skills. 
if you live in a place where there's tidal waves, you want to, don't want to build below the a certain mark on the on the ground, right? <laughs> you know where the tidal waves hit, right? Right. Or if you live under the volcano, you should move, right? <laughs> <laughs> so there's survival skills, and then there's people, and people can make you sick. Mm-hmm. So that's in fact when we were kids. You know, we got mad at some kid, you know, got really mad at somebody. You make me sick. Right? <laughs> right? We used to do say that. Oh, right? totally. Yeah. So we even as kids, we knew that people affect our health. Mm-hmm. So you need to pick the people that have done their homework, that are good models, that are encouraging and supportive mm-hmm. as much as possible, but that will also challenge you. Right. Because it's not all just about support. But they do it in ways, you know, they don't do it in mean ways. Right, pushy, yeah. yeah, not, yeah pushy yeah. or abusive. Could be mentally, verbally, sexually, physically abusive, right? Right. So, so you want to pick the people you hang out with. And then nature, you know, yeah, walks in nature are really good. They prescribed them for kids in uh, Scandinavian countries. Mm-hmm. Nature walks. Nature walks is a medical prescription. <laughs> oh, I love that. Right? Which yeah. makes sense. You cut yes. the tree. Every time you take a breath, you should say, thank you for the plants that made it. Mm -hmm. If you take a breath out, you should say, welcome to the plants that that need the carbon dioxide. Right. Right. So you have a a system of reciprocity with the the natural world around you. And then the last one is the big picture. The fact that your body is a terminal condition and you're living in an infinite universe. And to be okay with that. Here I am. Everything's cool. Everything's cool. So, and then each one of those eight has a different nature and a different function, needs a different kind of attention on a regular basis, goes off in a different way and responds to a different kind of intervention. Right? That's what total health Help, is about. Yeah, right. That's your it's, book, the sexy, in, total, total sexy, sexy health. health. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to do something with that. It actually, it kind of diminished the uh, topic. The sexy thing, right? Right. My thought of it was, and, and I, I did like that. I said, look, sexy is a power word. Right. Actually, life should be the power word. Mm-hmm. For some reason in human cultures, life has never become the power word. Oh, my mm-hmm. God, you're alive. Right. In life is everything. Oh, my right. God. You know, so that should be the power word. You know, you say the, you know, it's a sacred thing, right? Right. So like any time somebody says the word life, you should get a thrill. Mm-hmm. Like sexy, it's a miracle, ah. yeah, or yeah, or so the idea was sexy is the power word. So I want to use the power word that everybody uses to sell all kinds of crap. I want to use the power word to sell people on their own magnificence as human beings. That was right. the idea, and right. then there was the eight parts. And the idea is that if you live aligned with all eight parts. You're going to be as sexy as is possible for you to be. Mm-hmm. And sexy isn't just about sex, right? Sexy right. is anything that's noticeable, vibrant, energetic, cool, right. right? So if you're in aligned with all of it, then that's the, going to be your sexiest. Anytime any part gets out of line, you're going to lose some of your sexy. And when mm-hmm. you get back in line, you get your sexy back. That was right. so. The model is a nice model. Yes, and, no, I loved it. But, yeah, but it kind of trivialized. I feel now it was a good exercise for me. I mm-hmm. trivialized the topic, and in fact, the guy who suggested that he said you should, you know, oh, total health. Oh, that's such a boring title. Spice it up a little. Call it total sexy health. I said I can't do that. I don't know anything about sexy. 
<laughs> then I started thinking about it. And I said, oh, I know a lot about sexy. Everybody knows a lot about sexy, right? <laughs> so then I, I decided it was a good exercise for me. But I, I do feel it trivialized the topic. So I'm I'm in the process of rewriting all that stuff. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. Okay, we're at the end. So, yeah. The only thing I want you to share is the part that I asked you in the beginning of when oh, you what, saw what? the, you saw had a moment in your life where you saw something and you didn't share it for like 50 years. Oh yeah, it was actually 30 years that I thought it was just private. Well, it was a divine interaction. Okay, so what happened after I left university I hadn't found what I was looking for. I wasn't exactly sure what that was, but I knew I would recognize it when I found it. Somehow I, I always had that confidence. And so I did some psychedelics. I told you they, they blew the door off my childhood personality, my war child personality. And then I kind of said, I got to a point where I said, you know, first of all, is the experience in the pill or is the experience in me? Well, no, the experience is in me. So there must be a way to get to that experience without the pill. Right. Okay. That was the first part. And then the second part was psychedelics can be hard on your body if you do a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And I decided that I only get one body. I'm going to look after it. I need to look after it. I felt a little burnt out. I said, I'm not doing any psychedelics for two years to give my chance a body just to rest and recover. Mm -hmm. A good idea. And then in the meantime, of course, I'm still looking, right? So I said, okay, well, so, you know, who do I model myself at? What is it? What is a really good human being? My father was not my model and my mother was not my model. They were good people, but they weren't my model. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get along with my dad at all for oh, okay. most of our life until the last four years. And then we saw eye to eye on just about everything. Huh. That's a whole other story. Yeah. Anyway, so next one. So I'm looking for a model, and it occurred to me, you know, the person that is most interesting to me of anybody that I know about is this guy, this guy Jesus. They're still talking about him 200, 2000 years later. Nobody remembers my grandfather who hasn't been dead for 60 years, for 50 years. Mm -hmm. What was it about this guy that made him memorable? I want to know. And so then the question I asked was, I want to know what he felt, what he experienced that made him able to live and talk and do what he did. Right? I want to have that experience. I don't want to be Jesus. I don't want a religion named after me. I definitely don't want holes in my hands. Right. right? But I want to know what is the experience. Because I knew that if somebody writes poetry, they they must be feeling something. Mm-hmm. Right, you can't write poetry when you're not feeling anything. People try it and it's crap. Right, <laughs> it's garbage. Right, so I, I had some experience with that too. So, so there must, so he must have had some experience. I want to have that experience, and so I got the red letter edition of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Everything Jesus says is in red ink, and everything else is in black ink because I wanted to get focused. You know, it's two thousand years later. I mm-hmm. wasn't there when he was there. You know, what's the closest I can get? Red letter edition. That's all I had to go with, right? right? So then I started reading it and thinking about what does that mean? I didn't ask anybody to interpret it. I interpreted it myself. You know, like one of them, he says, what you have done to one of the least of these people, mm-hmm. that you have done to me. Yes. And I said, what does that mean? Well, the only way I can understand it is I am in all of those least of these people. 
So I, and then I said like, oh my God, I am in everything, in everyone. I am in everyone. Yeah. Okay. Well, if, if I am in everyone, then you are in me and you're in you and you're in everyone. But I still don't know what that is. Right. So I started putting little things to the test in the New Testament and uh, had some really magical experiences. And then I got in with the group that called themselves the Jesus People's Army oh, came funny. From Cal- that came up the <laughs> coast from California to Vancouver, where I was living. Right. And I, you know, army, the word army should have been a warning to me because army was was a for a war child is probably not an exalted, right. not an exalted term. Right. <laughs> but I totally missed the cue. I I got in my head as well. These guys must all be doing what I'm doing. I'm trying to figure it out. And they're really trying to figure it out. And when you try to figure things out, you start having experiences. And we're all going to get together and we're going to share our experiences of our search. And we're going to all leave this evening enriched by the stories that we've told and the things that gives us to think about. That's what I thought was going to happen. They had a a coffee house that they ran. And they invited people. So I went to the coffee house and I walked in. I sat down in a chair at a table and immediately this other guy swooped in next to me. That should have been my second warning and I missed that cue too. (laughs) And so I just looked at him and I, I just looked him in the eyes. I didn't introduce myself. I just said, it must be possible to see God and live. Because as a kid, we were told, if you see God, you die. Right. And I was like, wait a minute, he loves me, he takes care of me, he made the whole universe, you know, he runs everything, he makes my food, you know, he's like, he looks after me when I'm sleeping, keeps me breathing, you know, and he runs the show and loves me unconditionally, but if I look at him, he kills me. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. So I said this to him, it must be possible to see God and live. Well, I don't know what was on his mind, but he jumped out of his chair and he was jumping around in the room with his arms flying around wildly. (laughs) And he screamed at the top of his voice, you're from the devil. You're from the Antichrist. Get out. Oh, my gosh. I got slinking out of there. It's like, ooh, what just happened? Oh, my (laughs) God. I'm sitting on the, I'm standing on the sidewalk and I'm, said, well, let's see, I haven't seen God, so maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe it's not a question we're supposed to ask because we were also told there are certain questions that you're not supposed to ask. But they wouldn't tell us what those questions were because if they'd have told us, I would have asked them. Right, exactly. <laughs> I was always trying to figure out, right? So so then it was like, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't have asked the question. Maybe it's, you know, maybe that's not. And I got really confused. I got really confused and I felt really desperate and I really wanted to know. I really wanted to know. And so <laughs> I, I went out in nature to clear my head, which is what I used to do in, in those mm-hmm. days. Ended up on a beach on the west coast of Vancouver Island, deserted logs on the beach, you know, how they sit. Mm-hmm. Like, and somebody had draped some plastic over some, uh, some logs, made a kind of a dwelling. I say, okay, here's my hotel for the weekend. Right. <laughs> And I went in and I fell asleep. And in the middle of the night, I woke bolt upright from dead asleep. And there was this being made of light, standing on a cloud of light. But the being was brighter than the cloud. There were no wings on it, so it wasn't an angel. There were no labels, and there were no words. 
but the being embodied a message. And I could put words to that message, Mm. to that embodiment. The message was, I am come not to judge, but to love. I I am come not to judge, but to love. Do you know of a more accurate uh, crystallization of Christ's message? No, that's amazing. I am come not to judge, but to love, right? To love. And by the way, and then my, my, all my confusion evaporated oh, instant, instantly. Hmm. I have never had a question about what was the message of the master to humanity, which, by the way, is the same message of the master within you, life, Mm-hmm. To your body. Right. I am come not to judge, but to love. Unconditional, empowering love. Yes. There's the message, right? And then I started feasting on, on, I didn't know who that was. Who was that? You know, I was doing a, a kind of a Jesus exploration. So was that Christ? Was that soul? Was that my life? Was that spirit? And I didn't know, but I came to the conclusion that actually those are all the same. All the same, right? Yeah, it's all the same. Right. Like, oh, okay, well, that's news to me. Well, that's cool. Uh, that's cool. Made it, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then this, I only realized this a couple of months ago. So it's been a long time. This was 1970. Oh, wow. Okay. So I just realized a couple, you know, the life I was looking for in the beaker. Right. You know, that was li- liquid and shining when I was studying yes. biology that I was looking for, that mm-hmm. I never found anywhere in university. That's where I found it. Yes. That's where I found it. I didn't realize that until two months ago. Oh, that whole thing came together. Right? And completely reset my life. Because it was like, okay, well, there it is. I felt it. It's within Mm -hmm. me. It's the message. And it's like, it's all coherent. It's Mm -hmm. completely coherent. So what if you set, make the standard? I am come not to judge, but to love. I as life. And come not to judge, but to love. What if you make that your standard? Yes. Well, then you're going to fail against that standard and learn. And then you're going to try again. And you're going to fail against that standard and learn something more and learn something more and learn something more. And you're going to fail your way to success. Yes. And you're a work in progress. And I have never seen how deep it goes. Mm Because I've gone pretty deep and I've never seen the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. So we are always going to be works in progress, right? but I'm on a track mm-hmm. and this is a good track. Yes. This is the track. This is the track that 8 billion people need to get on if we want to create a heaven on, or if we want to live in the heaven on earth that we're already living in, but missing. Exactly. Because we're distracted. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And then it became a memory. And I said, damn it. I want to stay in that experience. Right. On a moment-to-moment basis. And that question led me to somebody who taught me to do a stillness practice. And, uh, you know, because I didn't realize, like just from having that experience, I didn't realize how important it is to take time every day to sit quietly with yourself and allow your focus to go in and discover what is in you and become more connected to, identified with, or more one with Mm -hmm. the life that in my individual essence I am. 
Yes. Which is happens to also be the life of the master. Because what the difference between the masters and the people was the master was taking it seriously. So, you know, he went off to the hills and, you know, he spent right. 40 days in the desert. Time by themselves being present, right? Mm-hmm. They all took time for that. Most of the people, if they even do any of that, they just dabble in it. But they mm-hmm. spoke They spoke from their essence to the essence in other people. And then if people were interested... They helped them find ways to, you know, because sometimes his disciples went on his quiet places as well, right? So they taught them something that we maybe never made it into the scriptures because there there are techniques and there's methods. Mm -hmm. And those methods weren't for everybody. They were just for the people who were interested in pursuing that kind of a life. Right. Thank you, Udo. So that was, uh, and and literally it, it completely changed my life. I, I mean, it, it literally blew the, you know, it wasn't just blowing the door off the, the <laughs> more baby word. This one blew the, blew up the house. <laughs> and just oh. like completely freed me. Right. Oh, yeah. what a feeling. Yeah. Oh, it's been so fun. I yeah, love yeah. this. Yes, we could keep going and we will have a part two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll get into, uh, you know, of all the things in physical health that is most neglected, the yes. oil story is, is it. I, I gave you a little bit of it, but the, right. It's a just the oil story could take easily an hour, right? Yes, but this is a more important story. Yes, and I that was kind of in my mind because there's so many different ways we could go today, and I was like, wow, this is so deep with his life, and I that's what I really wanted to portray. And you made me do it. I made you. (laughs) You made me do it. (laughs) Watch out next time. I'll make you do it again. Oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, So we'll they can find you buy your books. Yeah, I'm easy to find. If you punch in Udo, U-D-O, or Udo Erasmus, I'm really easy to find. I'm on yeah. Google, and I'm on, if you go Udo Erasmus podcast, there's a bunch of podcasts I've done. It sounds like you've listened to some of them. I did. Yeah, Many. okay. And I'm on LinkedIn, and I'm on Facebook, and I'm on Instagram, and I have a YouTube channel on Udo uh, about Udo Erasmus, under Udo Erasmus. So I'm not hard to find, and I have a website that is uh, udoerasmus.com, and it's a mess. It's a work in progress. There's some good things on it, but I'm not happy with it at this point. <laughs> it needs, oh. needs work. Well, we, we're all so, working a work in progress, right? Yeah, and then Udo's Choice is is another website. That's that's basically the the products. All your oils and products, right? Oh, yeah, oils, enzymes, probiotics, greens, and you can order that too on Amazon. You can find get them on Amazon. They're in health food stores. The oil right. is in the fridge, and the enzymes, uh, the enzymes, uh, the, the probiotics are in the fridge. Right. And you can go to florahealth.com slash udo, and you can see the see the products in the products I work with, and get them direct from the company as well. Oh, okay. Okay. So there's all kinds of ways to go. Thank you. And at some Thank point, you. I don't know if you do uh, affiliate programs, but we're sort of working, slowly working on putting something like that together. Oh, good. Okay. I can talk Udo oils all day long. We're oh, yeah. going to be having that for breakfast, but I know we're putting it on food. Yeah. So and I was trying to figure out how to give my girls the their two tablespoons. Yeah, just lose it in, just lose it in food. Right. Put it in their favorite foods, and the more flavor you have in the food, 
the more the oil will enhance enhance flavors. it, right? Yeah, yeah, and it'll also enhance the absorption of oil soluble nutrients in your foods. Okay. Well, anybody listening, we if you haven't been doing that, yeah, that's definitely something you need to be ordering today. Yeah. So thank you, Udo. And I will see you in the next episode and we will talk way more physical health and all the other magical yep. things we can uncover that you've uncovered for us to learn yep. from. Yep. All right. Thank, thank you, you, Ashley. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.